So, uh, we are uh, going to go dive into our uh, series. Uh, this is our next to last week of, of this series, the Elephant in the Room series. And thanks for all the feedback you guys have been given. It seems to have been uh, a series that's been pretty encouraging to a lot of you. And, and uh, so this week, uh, the elephant that we're dealing with is the donkey or the elephant. Uh, and so we have, uh, I, I decided, why not? I've been here eight years. Let's just go ahead and tick everybody off. And, uh, and so, <laughs> so that's, that's what we're, we're going to dive into this. Hopefully it won't tick everybody off. Uh, but I do hope it makes, uh, many, if not all of us very uncomfortable. I, I, I there are a lot of times sermons are meant to, uh, uh, comfort the disturbed, and other times servants are meant to disturb the comfortable. And uh, and so I, I hope, you know, there's this, actually, I don't know if you've, you probably haven't, because you're not a nerd like me, but um, if you've ever studied kind of the history of preaching um, in not only this country, but other countries as well, there's a long, rich history of how pastors have utilized uh, the pulpits of their church. And, um, and, and most often that comes in the form of, of sound theological teaching. Um, occasionally it comes in the form of, of uh, like I said, kind of disturbing the comfortable, trying to wake people up out of uh, maybe habits they've gotten themselves into or ways of thinking that, that have crept in uh, um, unnoticed. Uh, and, and especially, actually all throughout Europe, but, but also there's a, a rich history of it here in this country. Uh, occasionally pastors will uh, feel led by God to, to give maybe more of something that feels like more like a prophetic word, uh, a hard word. Uh, something that deals very directly with the times in which the people live in and speaks very directly to those times. And this maybe kind of leans in that direction this morning. Um, and so before I dive into that, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, I, I am, I love our country. I mean, I, I you'll be hard pressed to find somebody that, that, that loves this country as, as much or more, more than I do. I mean, I really love this country. I served in the military. I don't need, I'm not looking for thanks for that or anything like that. I'm just saying, I believe in the United States of America and I believe in the, the, this, you know, 200 plus year experiment of democracy. And, and, uh, and I, I just, I think I, I love United States history. I, I, I love the, um, uh, you know, just what the, the founding fathers and, and, and what they stood for and the, the history of, of revolution and fighting for freedoms and uh, the whole thing. I love the way our country, I just love the, um, um, the physical nature of our country, the beauty of this country that we live in is, is just unbelievable, unbelievable. And, um, and if you've ever traveled around much and really got to see, um, other place, you know, other areas of this country, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a stunningly beautiful place that we get to live. I love the, um, the freedoms that we experience here that other countries just don't get to experience. Uh, if you've ever done any uh, traveling abroad or mission trips, you know, where you've gone overseas or things like that, you know what I'm talking about. There is a, uh, despite the way our culture is moving today, there is a sense of freedom and a sense of safety that you feel on this soil that you don't feel on other soil, trust me. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm not, I don't fall into that camp of, 
um, you know, that, you know, we have to be the, the greatest country in the world. I, I believe there are other people in other countries who feel just as patriotic about their countries as we feel about ours, and, that, and as well they should, as well they should. Um, but I love this country. I really do. Uh, I do appreciate the sacrifices that have been made uh, so that we get to experience the freedoms that we have. Um, I enjoy the now i'm i'm maybe different from a lot of you in this um i enjoy a good argument i really i mean i enjoy a good argument in fact um with whenever my brothers and i get together for holidays or whatever and we're, we finally get to all be in the same room uh, we spend the majority of our time arguing and, um, and now my brothers are my best friends. I love them so much and, and they love me, but we just love that banter back and forth of, uh, of, of just kind of picking a good topic. Maybe it's a topic out of scripture. Maybe it's a political topic, maybe a whatever, uh, or, or, you know, which is better Star Wars or Star Trek or, you know, who, who knows what we might argue about. But, but we love just kind of digging into each other. And, of course, we're brothers, so there's a lot of making fun of each other and, and calling each other names and stuff like that. But, uh, and occasionally, you know, it might break out into a good leg wrestling match. But, um, but, there, but I just, I love that back and forth. I really enjoy it. Now, as a pastor, I, um, I very intentionally... Uh, in, in this context of a church setting and even in kind of, uh, by and large in the context of, uh, my role in this community, I, I actually tend to avoid that part of my nature because I know that controversial topics can be uh, very polarizing. And so I don't, you know, I'm trying to reach this community for Jesus. And so I'm not looking to make enemies unnecessarily, Right. Um, and so when I say the things I say this morning, I, I, I want to ask you to receive them in the spirit in which I intend them. And that is not a spirit of I'm right and you're wrong. It's a spirit of uh, healthy conversation and then also uh, a spirit of maybe like, like has been the, to- the way we've handled every other topic in this series uh, yes, this is a controversial issue, but how does Scripture speak into this issue? And let's let's take a look at that. And so you may be thinking, <clears throat> so well, you know, what we're talking about this morning is the question that we want to answer is this: Would Jesus be a Democrat, a Republican, or neither? Like, like how would you know what is what is the Christian uh, political party? Who is the Christian? candidate that we should be supporting you know that these are in an election year these are questions that come up and everybody's got their own opinions and and uh, and and everybody's very passionate about their opinions i don't know if you've noticed if you if you if you're on facebook at all holy cow um yeah there's no shortage of opinions and um and 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 a lot of these issues that that rise to the top that that get the most attention people are extremely passionate about them in fact, our country has gotten to... Actually, I don't think this is true. I was going to make a statement, and I'm backing off of it already. Um, I was going to say that our country has gotten to a place to where um, the kind of vitriol over, um, uh, over certain topics and arguments and stuff has reached such a fever pitch that it's hard for us to have meaningful... Uh, helpful conversations, but I think the truth is our country has actually kind of always been that way. When you when you go back and read, uh, you know, just the very first 
uh, engagements our founding fathers had with each other. I mean, it got ugly, ugly, ugly. I mean, they were, you know, screaming and calling each other's names and, and uh, you know, insulting their parentage and everything else. I mean, it was, it got really ugly. So there's always been that very passionate discourse that takes place in our country. And I think that's part of what makes us a great nation. Um, however, I think there's such a thing as helpful discourse and, and, um, destructive discourse. Um, if, if you hear the interviews, um, of, uh, congressmen and, and women and, uh, and senators who have been in those positions for a lot of years, a lot of them will say how different things are today that when they first came on board as a, as a congressperson, um, they, um, they could passionately disagree with the person sitting across the aisle from them and still uh, have a, a very solid friendship with that person, a camaraderie with that person. That they, 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 they looked at each other as, yeah, we disagree on this. However, uh, it doesn't have to be personal. And, the, and many of them, those same congresspeople will say, that's not the case today, that it, it is just kind of ugliness through and through, and there's not as much, I'm sure there's still some, but there's not as much of that camaraderie with someone that you have a, a sense of a, a disagreement with. And, that, and I think we as a nation are hungry for that, starving for it. How can we have a, an intense, passionate conversation, even argument, without demonizing each other? And this is where I think that Christians have uh, an obligation to lead well. That we have got to be able to disagree without demonizing. Can I tell you this? And some of you are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, and you're going to demonize me. And that's okay. Um, I believe that Barack Obama is every bit the patriot that George W. Bush is. I believe that he loves this country just as much as Hillary Clinton loves this country, just as much as Bernie Sanders loves this country, just as much as Ted Cruz loves this country, just as much as Ronald Reagan loved this country. I don't think there is a, a lack of love or lack of patriotism going on with all of these individuals or with the Democratic Party or with the Republican Party. I believe all of those people genuinely are patriots and love our country. They just have a different vision for what our country should look like. And we shouldn't have to demonize each other over differences in vision. You may completely disagree with the vision of Barack Obama, or maybe you completely disagreed with the vision of George W. Bush for our country, but it doesn't mean that they are demons. It doesn't mean that they are evil incarnate. They just have a different vision, right or wrong, a different vision vision for how our country should look, what the future of our country should look like. Now, you, you may passionately disagree with a candidate's vision or with a president's vision, I mean, and, and you have every right to do that. You have every right to do that. But I want to challenge us to be a people who, who can hear a difference of opinion, can hear a difference of, of vision, strongly disagree with those opinions, and still look at each other as 
Americans who love this country. And I think if we can make that jump, first of all, if you want to talk about an elephant in the room, this is a huge elephant in the room in terms of this has become one of the reasons that, and I'm going to, I'm going to deal with our camp. I'm not just going to deal with Christians. I'm going, to, I'm going to narrow it down to our camp of evangelical Christians, okay? That that term evangelical, I don't know if you've noticed, that term evangelical has become kind of a dirty word in, um, in the media uh, recently because of, because of the way so many evangelicals um, rail and hate on other people. And just as all these other topics that we've talked about for the last several weeks, we have got to rise above that passion, that hate, and learn to have constructive, meaningful dialogues with people that we disagree with in a way that, yeah, go ahead, be passionate about it. Get, get, get all riled up about it. But we have got to stop demonizing each other and just blasting each other. i I, I got to tell you, there are many of you in this room. There are many of you in this room that need to drop to your knees and repent for the way that you've spoken about our president. That's just, that's just a fact. You don't have to like the man. You don't have to um, agree with everything that he stands for or anything that he stands for. But the Bible says you do have to pray for him and not about him, for him, for him. And we need to be a people. Well, if you're wondering, okay, Jeff, where in the Bible does it talk about whether we should be Republican or Democrats or whatever? Okay, there's not a verse. But there is a verse. And, uh, and I think this is the verse that deals most specifically with this issue. And it goes all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It's the very first commandment. And it says this. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And the point I want to make about this is, is this, that trading our kingdom agenda for a political agenda is idolatry. When you trade up our agenda that we have as citizens of God's kingdom, which we'll talk about in just a second, when you trade up God's agenda for this world for a political agenda that is counter to that kingdom agenda, it's idolatry. You have begun to worship your political views rather than the God that you should be worshiping. And we have to be very, very careful about this. The truth of the matter is there are issues that traditional Republicans stand for that are counter to the gospel. And there are issues that traditional Democrats stand for that are counter to the gospel. And if you can't allow your citizenship in the kingdom to trump your citizenship in this nation and your membership in a political party, then it's idolatry. It's idolatry. We have to be really, really careful. 
I know it's fun and political pundits and, you know, t- the talking heads on TV and radio, uh, they, 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 they can tell it, you know, they can give a quick zinger and they can make it really funny and they can, you know, they, they, they make their living making fun of people and tearing people down. And that's all, you know, that can be very fascinating to listen to and to watch and to, you know, kind of, you know, get a good chuckle out of. And, and, and it makes for great TV and it makes for great radio, but it makes for horrible faith. It makes for horrible faith. And I want to challenge us to be a people who will say, I will look first at what God's agenda is for this planet, for the people of this planet. I'm going to look first at that agenda. And regardless of what political party I align myself with, I will allow his agenda to trump anything and everything in any other agenda this world has. We have to be able, we have to, be able to do that. If your political party supports the, um, the rich, the extremely rich, getting richer and richer off the backs of the poor, your political agenda is offensive to God. If your political agenda supports the denial of life to millions every single year, your political agenda is offensive to God. And there are issues on both sides of the aisle that I could say stuff about. If your political agenda somehow in your mind gives you liberty to hate on the same people that God calls you to try to be reaching for the gospel, then your agenda is offensive to God. We need to allow our love of God's children, the same people that he died for. It's really easy to kind of stand up in our ivory, you know, ivory towers and, and have this kind of uh, idea of, yeah, I was so thankful that, that God died for me and he forgave all my sins. And, and then we, and from those ivory towers, begin to position ourselves against the culture around us that disagrees with us or whether it be on issues that are based out of scripture or issues that are based out of a political agenda or whatever, but we position ourselves in such a way that we say nasty, nasty things about them. We tear them down and we tear down their families and we tear down their, their kids and their wives. And we say just horrible, horrible, nasty things about them. And I'm telling you, those two do not match up. You cannot sit in the grace of God and hate that way. There's a complete disconnect to the way you think and act about life and the gospel in your life, if, that, if that's the way you are. And there are some of us in this room that need to do some serious repenting. I'm not saying you have to back off of everything you believe in. It's fine. Believe the things you believe. Be passionate about your political agendas. But you know what? I've heard, uh, <coughs> I've actually heard this a couple of times, two or three times since I've been here over eight years. There's a lot of reasons people avoid church or leave church. Actually, there are not a lot of reasons. There are a lot of excuses. There are a lot of excuses that people kind of back out of church or avoid church altogether. 
But two or three times in the eight years I've been here, I have heard, and again, I'm not saying this is factual. It's an excuse, but it is something that we have to address regardless. Two or three times over the eight years I've been here, I've heard people say, um, I'm uncomfortable going to Living Hope Church because um, I'm a Democrat and I feel like um, I'm belittled there or, I, or people would not agree with the way I think. And can I just say, um, again, I believe that's a, a, an excuse, not a reason. But shame on us if there's any truth in that and that we genuinely make people feel that way. Because last time I checked, the only requirement for to receive God's grace, uh, there was no box where you check, check your political affiliation. Uh, that we are instead people who, of all walks of life, of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds, the gospel is open to us. And there will be people... Um, that are members of this kingdom of God's kingdom that you see eye to eye with. And there will be people that are members of this kingdom that you disagree with. There will be um, traditional, you know, fans of democracy in heaven. There will be socialists in heaven. There will be people of all different backgrounds and we cannot allow ourselves to break fellowship with people or drive a wedge between us and people because of our political ideals. Paul does this great teaching uh, in the New Testament where he talks about freedom. And he's, he's talking about in reference to certain foods that people would eat and should they or should they not eat certain foods. And I think the principle here applies to us in this situation because basically what he said is, I, I, you know, nothing's unlawful for me. I'm, I'm free to do whatever I need to do. Whatever I, whatever I want to do, I'm free to do that. However, if my freedom, if the exercising of my freedom somehow causes a brother to stumble and prevents them from coming to faith in Jesus Christ, then my freedom has to go to the side. My freedom, therefore, is no longer as important as making sure that brother or that sister comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And the same thing, have your passionate views about, you know, about insurance and about immigration and about wealth inequality and about a hundred other different political issues and abortion and gay marriage and every other thing. Have your passionate, passionate views. But when your views stand as a blockade between someone and the gospel when your passion and and even sometimes your hatred stands as a block a blockade between someone and the gospel then your views have become idols and you need to let them go you need to let them go i'm not saying back off of what you believe i'm saying zip it up sometimes silence is the best strategy Sometimes silence is the best strategy. Now, we live in a democratic society, and, and we have certain things in place 
in this country where you have avenues to express your opinion. You can express your opinions through your vote. You can express your opinions through rallies. You can express your opinions through, you can blog till your fingers are bloody. You can, I mean, you can do whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of ways for you to express the things that you're passionate about. But don't trade someone's eternity for your opinion. Don't trade someone's eternity for your opinion. Let's be a people who are so passionate about the kingdom agenda. And the kingdom agenda is this. That as many people as possible come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if they're Democrats and it doesn't matter if they're Republicans. As many people as possible come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that means I will do, what did Paul say? I'll do all things. I'll become all things to all people so that I might reach some. There's a, one more verse I want to read to you before we dismiss this morning. And um, it's this very obscure verse in, in um, um, is it, I think, First Chronicles. Yeah, First Chronicles. Um, First Chronicles chapter 12 um, David is kind of establishing, King David is kind of establishing the kingdom, and he is, uh, he's taking an account of who, what kind of soldiers he has, who his mighty men are, that sort of thing. And, and we read these verses. And so in verse 23, it says this. These are the numbers of the divisions of the armed troops who came to David in Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul over to him according to the word of the Lord. And if you skip all, it starts naming people by by the tribe that they were in, the numbers by the tribe that they were in. If you skip down to verse 32, it says this, of the tribe of Issachar, of the tribe of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. So this is what the tribe of Issachar, the men of Issachar were known for. They were known for, um, where is it? Uh, they had understanding of their times so that they knew what Israel ought to do. They had understanding of that. They had a keen insight into what was going on politically, what was going on socially in their land. And that insight allowed them to know what the next steps of their nation, of their kingdom in particular, ought to be. And we need men and women like the people of Issachar. The church needs men and women in their ranks in this kingdom who can read the times, who can read the culture. We need people who can read the culture and then strategize for kingdom growth. People who can look at what are people passionate about, what are people battling about, what what direction is this culture going. And rather than looking at that so I can figure out what side, what polarizing side I can be on, I want to look at that so I can use that circumstance for the most kingdom growth that I possibly can. We need people in the kingdom of God who will look at this culture, look at this country and go, okay, that, that, that's a group of people. They seriously disagree with me on that issue. But how can I use that conversation to reach them for Jesus Christ? Instead of how can I be right? How can I be right? 
How can I, how can I get ahead? How can I, how can I, uh, belittle them and put them down and stand tall above them? How can I win? How can I win the argument? Instead, you look at that situation and you go, how can I use that conversation and redeem it for the gospel? Redeem it for the gospel. This is the kind of people that I want to challenge us as a church to be. What if there was a group of people in this town that rather than getting into the arguments of different political agendas or the arguments of who the football coach should be or the arguments of, you know, uh, you know, whatever things that happen even right here in our town that people get so fired up and, you know, um, nasty about. What if instead of, of, of looking at those as to who am I going to align myself with? Who, what side am I going to be on? What if we began to look at those conversations as a means to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? We read the times, we read our culture, and we use it for our kingdom advantage. Jeff, it sounds like you know, you're saying we should be out there like recruiting people. and Yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's our job, actually, is to recruit worshipers. That's our whole purpose in life. Otherwise, Jesus would have just saved you and killed you and took you to heaven. He left you here to recruit worshipers. He left you here to recruit worshipers. And you cannot be an effective recruiter by constantly being a polarizing personality or constantly spewing hateful, polarizing language all over people. Because people will not hear what you have to say about Jesus until they feel like you respect them first. They just won't. That may be hard for some of you to take because you like the whole political game. And by the way, I'm not saying don't like the whole political game. I'm saying don't let it destroy your faith. Because ultimately, this is the deal. As much as I love this country, this country is not my home. This is not my home. This is not your home. As much as I love the United States, as much as I love California, as much as I love Dixon, this is not our home. We are sojourners here. We're passing through. We're passing through. And we have a home. And we have a treasure laid up somewhere else. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on the things that God has called us to keep our eyes fixed on. Don't get sidetracked by the fear-mongering. Do, do you guys realize that we... <laughs> it's the, the fear-mongering that happens around politics is so ridiculous because do you guys realize that we live in a self-correcting society? Like, here's the deal. Let's say you hated everything George W. Bush stood for. Well, he only got to be there for eight years, and then somebody else came in and has completely changed everything. And let's say you're like, okay, let's see how a Muslim operates the White House now. Well, he only got to be there for eight years, and somebody else comes in. Our, our, our country, I was thinking about this last night, our country is not designed to be either evil or great. We are designed for mediocrity. <laughs> we, are, we are designed for mediocrity. 
And so a person can come in and different political parties can come into power and they can make changes and they can do things and that sort of thing. And they may be things that you love and you root for and you just think they're the greatest gift from God since, you know, whoever. And they may be things that you hate and you despise the way they believe about our country. And our, our country for 200 plus years have been self, has been self-correcting over and over and over again. And it will continue to self-correct. Now, are there things about our country that I feel like is going in a direction that is disturbing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there freedoms of ours that I feel like are being taken away? Absolutely, I do. But ultimately, this country is not my home. And whether we live in a, a free country or a communist country or a totalitarian regime or whatever else that we might live in here, it doesn't change the fact that I'm ultimately a member of a different kingdom. And we have brothers and sisters around the world that are living in all kinds of, under all kinds of different governments. And they are striving and thriving for the gospel. Let's rise above the nastiness. Let's rise above you know, all the fear and everything else. And let's just be faithful to the context that we've been called to. Whatever it looks like, whoever the president is. Can, can we just all admit none of us are really going to be very happy with who the next president is? Like, and I don't think that's just us. Like, I don't think anybody in this nation pretty much is going to be like super stoked and thrilled about who the next president is. You, you might be like, ah, okay, I can deal with that for four years. But you're not getting much more emotion out of it than that. And that's Okay. They'll self-correct. God will place into power whom he wills to place into power. He will use that person either for um, our advancement or for our discipline. But he will be glorified regardless. He will be glorified. And our, no matter who the president is, whether we have a Clinton presidency or a Sanders presidency or a Trump presidency. This is what I know. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Let's be faithful to our king. Let's advance his agenda. Be passionate about your political opinions and use the system to advance what you think is right for this nation. But don't get so sidetracked and so overcome with that worldly agenda that you lose sight of the fact that we have an eternal agenda that is much, much more important. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, and I just thank you for your word to us today. I thank you, uh, first of all, I thank you for this country that we live in. I thank you for those who sacrificed their lives uh, so we could experience the freedoms we get to experience. God, I, I, I thank you for the system which we have in place here that at many times and in many different aspects of it seem, oftentimes seems busted and broken. There's also a lot about it that is still good and great. And, um, and so, God, would you help us to be faithful to you in your kingdom and somehow at the same time be effective change agents in this kingdom? 
in this nation. God, would you, would your Holy Spirit just ring so loud in our ears that when our chosen party's agenda is out of line with your word, that we would be able to recognize that instead of just jumping on the bandwagon for every little detail and being mindless. God, help us to think um, and discern our times based on your word. Give us minds that match up to your minds. Help us to become faithful kingdom citizens and somehow make us effective change agents in this country. God, when, would, you, would you place in us a sensitivity to people so that we can see when our passionate opinions are somehow breaking down relationships with people? Give us a wisdom to know when it's good to speak up and and a wisdom to know when it's good to back off. We don't want to be a people who back off out of fear, but we want to be a people who back off out of love. So let us know when that's appropriate. God, on the flip side of that coin, let us know when it's appropriate to be loud. Let us know when it's appropriate to stand on a hill and die on that hill for something worth dying for. Pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead us in these things. We pray for our country. We pray for our president and his family. We thank you for them. We ask that you would um, surround him with voices of wisdom so that in the last months of his presidency, he can lead our country well. Pray blessings on him and on his family. God, we pray for whoever our next president is. As they're out campaigning right now, give them rest. uh, Give them uh, clarity. um, Protect them from the wolves that are after them whoever rises to that position come next year I pray the same thing that you would bless them and bless their family surround them with wise advisors and place in them a passion for you and for your word help them to lead well for all of us who are very strong willed strongly opinionated people Give us the wisdom to know when to speak out against unhealthy leadership. Give us the humility to submit to whatever leadership you put in place in a way that's honoring to you. We love you and uh, we give ourselves and our church and our nation to you. And we ask that you would just glorify yourself through it all. We pray all this in Jesus' name, our King. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. All right. Everybody have a great week. Next week, 
Uh, we're going to be dealing with the biggest elephant of all. I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but it's the biggest elephant in this room. And uh, it's coming next week. So be here next week. All right.